Hey, it's Carolyn from Homesteading Family. Before we jump in today's pantry chat, I'd like to invite you to join me for a free four-part video series where I'm going to take you step-by-step through making high-quality dairy products in your very own kitchen. Don't worry, there's no cow required. (laughs) If you'd like to join me for the training, jump on over to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash dairy. Hey you guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we're going to be talking about what to do when the canning supplies are gone. This week's episode of the Pantry Chat is brought to you by BCS Two-Wheel Tractors. Now, you may have already heard of the legendary versatility of BCS two-wheel tractor for small farms and homesteads. We love ours here on Riverbend. It's the most efficient and time-saving choice for a small acreage. Building raised beds with a rotary plow attachment, mixing in soil amendments with a power harrow, and shredding cover crops in place with a flail mower. But a BCS two-wheel tractor is more than just a gardening tool. BCS powers more than 40 high-quality PTO-driven attachments, each with the power and performance of an all-gear drive transmission. Blow snow with the BCS's snow thrower. Chip and shred limbs and sticks with a chipper shredder. Clean up your property with a pressure washer. Haul up to 1,100 pounds, including yourself, with the ride-on utility tractor. And even spread compost over 30-inch beds with the spreader attachment. Yep. BCS is pretty much the Swiss army knife of power equipment for your homestead. Check out bcsamerica.com to see the full range of tractors and attachments and find your nearest BCS dealer today. That's bcsamerica.com. All right, so today we're going to be talking about canning supplies and people are having a very hard time getting a lot of things, particularly jars and lids. Yeah, right now they are pretty much gone in a lot of places. That's, a lot of that's places what a lot of people are telling us. They just can't get them. Yeah. So we're going to be talking today about what to do if you are in that situation. You're wanting to can more, but you can't get the supplies. Maybe you want to start canning, but you're having a hard time finding lids, jars, canners. We're going to be talking through your different options, creative ways to find them, all sorts of things. And a few of them might really surprise you. So uh, I think this is going to be a really fun session in the pantry chat today. Sounds like it. Um, But before we get started, Mm -hmm. let's catch up for a minute and answer a subscriber question. Some chit chat. What is going on with you here in, we're in late October. Yep. Winter's coming. (laughs) Winter (laughs) is coming. Winter feels like it's here already. We had a very cold snap. We got down to six degrees already. Six, as in like only a few degrees away yeah, from zero. That's, that's <laughs> November, late November weather. That's what we'd expect then, not this early. We feel like we're about yeah. a month early on this kind of weather. So that has sent us scrambling a little bit to get some of our you know, final preps in place for winter. But um, you know, I've actually been doing a few winter prep things that are maybe not so homesteady this last week one of them and this is a big one if you live somewhere where it gets cold and freezes 
you really, if you have any chips in your windshields, your vehicle windshields, mm -hmm. you have to get those fixed before the weather starts fluctuating too hard because those will turn into cracks and breaks and all sorts of things. So I actually was able to get a windshield fixed yesterday, which was great, get yep. a chip fixed. And uh, it's good to fix them when they are chips and not cracks. I also did, I know I talked about this a little bit last episode, I completed the entire family clothing switch. Right. Yay. Good job. It's amazing. You know, I always think to myself when I'm going into this, wouldn't it be easier just to go to the thrift store and just buy them everything they need rather than sort through these dozens and dozens of boxes? But then after I do it and I see how small my shopping list really is for clothing and I think, no, it's worth it. Every single time it's worth it because we're able to move clothing from one person or from one season to the next person or season. And uh, we end up saving a lot of money by organizing our clothes that we're not using anymore and keeping them stashed away and then being able to bring them back out. So it's definitely worth it. And to give a picture, it, it might not seem like that big of a deal to you to be switching clothes, but we're talking like 36 boxes. There's a lot of boxes of clothes. And in this case, this was a girl's day. So six girls all packed into the living room and all the existing clothes that are in the room having to be all brought out <laughs> and shifted around and gone through and tried on. Yes. It is crazy. One of my number one goals, and I talk about this in um, my uh, household management series when I'm talking about mm -hmm. clothing and laundry, is to reduce the overall amount of clothing that's actually in the closets or in the drawers or in circulation at any given time. You know, the less laundry that you actually have to do, the better. <laughs> the fewer amount of clothes that are hanging up, the fewer amount of clothes there are to get thrown on the ground, to get stepped on, to get lost. So right. anyways, always looking to reduce the amount of clothes while still making people feel like they have good options to wear. That project bore good fruit. Yes, it did. <laughs> it was a good one. What about you? What have you been up to? You know, just the winter preps, really. Yeah. Getting the hay in. Uh, getting feed in. We mm -hmm. brought in 15 uh, tons of hay. Okay. And about five tons of feed. Okay. And making sure the barn's good to go, our, our electric systems, our water de-icing systems are all working and mm -hmm. running. Uh, we've got some new baby chicks in yep. that uh, we're just having to watch over and take good care of. It's a little cold to bring them in this time of year, but for egg layers, we really like it because they hit the spring running mm -hmm. when we need new egg layers. So. Yeah. They're taking a little extra attention just because it has been cold. Yeah, we and had a little snafu with the we baby did. chicks we, we, the other yeah, morning, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We lost a couple the um, with the getting the um, water heaters going. Oh, you know, the, the trough water, heaters. The trough heaters. They take so a the, lot of electricity, and so we have to be careful because we don't have a lot of, um, you know, we don't have a large breaker at the barn. Okay. That's an upgrade to do in the future. And anyways, it a few things got it got overloaded, tripped, and chicks got a little cold. Got it. Yeah, so that was a little rough. You gotta be careful. You gotta watch those guys any time of the year, but especially this time of year. So I came down to coffee in the morning and Josh was sitting by the fire snuggling <laughs> <laughs> five little chicks trying to warm them up, the ones that had gotten excessively cold and got them all toasty again. And 
He was sitting there peeping to them over coffee. It was really cute. It was a heartwarming moment. So. <laughs> they were talking so to me, too. They, they I mean, were. We good, they were. And they perked up, and they got back out yep. to the coop. Saved them. So. Saved all of those. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really it. Getting ready to uh, wrap up the garden. I mean, the garden's done as far as harvesting, but I like to get everything um wrapped up all my compost down and readily set up for spring to make spring a lot easier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started doing that a few years ago and it's really, really helpful to do that now, especially with a no-till system. Um, it just makes spring really easy. So. Yeah, I'm really hoping to do the same out in the cottage garden, but yep. I don't, I'm not seeing the window of opportunity here, so it may wait for a spring day. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I get it done. It happens. It's hard to get it all done. Yeah. We've got to prioritize. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pick your battles. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. So let's move on to a, uh, cool. a viewer question yep. here. So DC on preparing your garden and soil for winter asks... Can you use chicken manure even if it is fresh and allow it to stay till spring, like six months out? Oh, absolutely. That's a great way to go. It's high in nitrogen. And so it's you definitely don't want to put it right on your plants or within a few weeks. You want, uh, you know, several months. But it's great. You can lay it out there. And if you could broad fork it or mix it in with the soil a little bit, that would be great as well. And um, then when things get going in the spring, it'll have a little better contact with the soil and everything will start kicking in a little earlier for you. If you're just gonna lay it on the top, if that's what you need to do, that's fine too. Just as soon as your ground is workable, get out there and, and, and just mix in with that top inch or two of soil as soon as you can, and that'll, that'll help get it broken down. So that's a great, great idea if you're like cleaning out the chicken coop. <laughs> we do that, but what we do is we put it all into one big compost pile, which is what I forgot to say and what else we're doing. We've started next fall's compost now, and, and one of those was cleaning out the chicken manure out of the barn along with other things. We just put it in a big compost pile. Yeah, and let it compost yeah. for the year along with other things sure, that because, you're adding to because it. we need compost in a lot of different areas. Yeah. But this this is absolutely great. If you've just got some chicken manure and want to get it on your rows, let it sit till the spring. Totally works fine. Good. Yeah. Great. All right. Okay. Well, uh, diving in, and this is an issue, this is just one of many issues that people are dealing with, with watching supplies run out. We are supply challenged in a lot of areas, in homestead living, in a lot of areas, just in life. I mean, we're still waiting for a bicycle we ordered, <laughs> Schwinn bicycle for a birthday months ago. Months ago. Um, and this is going to be the reality. This is not, we don't think, going away anytime soon. We're going to mm -hmm. talk about this today, right? Yeah. Including with these canning supplies. It's, this, this isn't just going to get better after November 3rd or after December 31st, 2020. There's a lot of reasons to understand that that we're going to have some supply issues yeah. uh, for a while. And as homesteaders, we want to be able to can. And you've got some great ideas and resources here because a lot of people just can't find canning supplies. They're gone. Yeah, they, they are actually <clears throat> gone in a lot of places and they're completely out of stock. I've seen websites now starting to say, you know, not taking any more orders for 2020, completely sold out for 2020. Um, they're just they're just gone and they're selling ahead right now in most places in order to get canning supplies. You need to order them now and expect to wait for two to three months at this point is what they're saying. Yeah. So, um, so you know, this is an issue if you've got food you're trying to get on the well, shelf right now. Well, and a right lot now. of people did yeah. extra gardening this year, yeah. 
right? Yeah. And so they're wanting to do extra preserving. Yeah. And there's a lot of forces all kind of going to work at once here. Uh, to make this a challenging situation. Right. So there are actually a lot of options that we have. Some of them um, are maybe non-standard options, but we're going to talk about the safety of them, how to use them safely. Uh, And some of them Mm -hmm. are just creative options that you can look around. So I I think you guys are going to be really surprised at what you can do and what you've been told you can't do, but maybe for reasons you didn't expect. So we're going to go over that today. Right. Some good solutions. Yeah. Real, real good solutions here. Good. Cool. So a little bit about the current situation. What's yep. going on? I mean, we're identifying that they're gone. They're hard to get. What's happening Yeah. With that? Well, between people uh, getting nervous this spring and everybody deciding, hey, I'm going to grow a big garden. Mm-hmm. I'm going to preserve more. I'm going to can more. I, I think that that is a really reasonable response to the way that the world is and, and right can now. can I add, we hope that you guys that are doing that will stick with it. Yeah. Don't just let this be a reactionary moment or season in 2020. Yeah. Seize this opportunity to to increase these skills in lifestyle and bring it into your life wherever you're living. When we were a more agricultural society, it was very common practice for most households to have their year's worth of food brought in in the fall because that's the way the agricultural year works, right? You harvest in your food, you pack everything in, then you eat it off during the next year until you can replace that. And it would be a great thing to be getting back to a little bit more of that. But as people started realizing they wanted to do that this year, seeing the events of COVID, they started buying in supplies at a level that was unprecedented at the same time that factories were Mm -hmm. shutting down, delivery services were (laughs) shutting down, things were shutting down, or um, because of social distancing, they were having to decrease capacity. Mm -hmm. And so factories were slowing while demand got bigger. And so at this point, now they're so far behind that even if COVID just disappeared next week, which which obviously it's, it's not, not going, it's going to, to continue do. to impact production. In even areas. if it did, though, we're now months and months behind. So yep. this is something to take seriously, even if you're thinking about next year's canning. Yep. Right. So this is why it's always a good reason to buy ahead. If you know that you're going to can next year, you should always it doesn't matter if it's a COVID year. We're not talking 2020, 2021, 2022. Any year that you go, hey, I'm going to can next year. When you're thinking about buying your garden seeds, get all your canning supplies. Just bring it all in. And so why you need to be, well, even if you're having a hard time getting canning supplies right now, you need to be creative and continue to look. Don't give up. Yeah. You know, Carolyn's got some solutions for you here, but still be planning, still be looking and thinking ahead to 2021, 2022. So be creative about finding your sources of supplies. And and, and there's some things here you're just going to want to stick with over time. Good. Okay, so let's talk about how to get the supplies right now if you're looking and you don't have them. Okay. Okay? All right. So the first thing to do is to be creative about finding resources close to you. Okay? They, they do still exist. There are still places that we have canning supplies in the system right now. You may need to go look at small, out-of-the-way grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Hardware stores often carry canning supplies. In fact, they're a great source for them. Well, I've noticed they run out. Yeah. But then they get resupplied. They've got a supply chain, and so they're going to have access to some things Mm -hmm. that you might not have online at times. And so while they don't carry as much, they do 
generally a continued resupply. We've seen that here yep. at our local store, and that's where you want to find out when are they getting them in, when's the next batch coming in, yeah. and that's where you can continue to think ahead just, just on that one source. It's, it's very true, and you need to be talking to the people there. Ask them, hey, you don't have any on the shelf. Do you have any in the back? When do you expect a next, next shipment, and can I get a phone call when it comes in? You know, just start talking to people mm-hmm. in your local stores. Ask around on Facebook and Craigslist. There's a lot of people who thought they were going to do a big garden this year. They got all their canning supplies, and then maybe they decided it wasn't worth it. Their garden didn't work out. Now they have extra canning supplies. So put out an in search of or an ISO for people who have canning supplies mm-hmm. and see if you can find any. And I would stay on that one for a while, too, yeah. on on those, you know, in your Facebook groups and your places, because... You're going to find that more and more, even as we work through the winter. People mm-hmm. may still be holding on to keeping them. Yes. There, there's just a lot of variety of situations, and you're going to find that a lot of people went out, maybe panic bought, did different yeah. things. Somewhere in here, maybe towards Christmas, people need gro- they need Christmas money, different things. There's a lot of strategies to employ there where, where people may be selling, in this case, these canning supplies, jars, lids that you want. Uh, just, just stick with it and, and stay engaged. Yeah, if you're doing that, one really important tip, and we'll talk about this again later, is make sure that the reusable lids are not older than two years. You want to use them within about two years, especially if you don't know how they've been stored in somebody else's house. Right. Um, again, go to the big box stores, go to your Walmart, you know, your places like that. Ask them if they have any more in the back and if they have any chance that they're going to be bringing any sure. more in. Just start talking to people. But also keep watching online stores because I have seen them now start to restock and get little stocks of things and actually list them. Um, Layman's just got a whole new stock of one size of their All-American canners in, okay. which have been sold out everywhere else. They're completely sold out. But you can, at least at the moment that we're recording this, you can go and get them. They said the supplies are limited. But you do need to be watching because these right. things do show up. So keep looking. Absolutely. Good. All righty. So, but while you're doing that, mm-hmm. there are some other things out there on the market that you're going to run into, right? That that yes. you need to think about. And this is particularly, uh, I think, a bunch of Chinese-made yes. products and lids, particularly, yes. are coming on the market and available. Yeah. And um, that's not our favorite go-to, but it's there. It's a resource. But it sounds like there's some things they need to know if right. they're going to go that route. Yeah. If you go to Amazon right now and put canning lids in, you are going to get tons of options that are ready to ship tomorrow. There are a lot out there. Um, You know, Chinese manufacturing companies have seen this opportunity and they've jumped in in a place where there's a need right now. The challenge is, is the quality is not as good in most cases. Maybe there's somebody out there making some really good ones. It's not as good as your normal American-made or American-controlled lids that you're used to supplying. So what's, what's wrong with them? What okay, are the issues? so the metal is much thinner, for one, okay. and so people, canners are experiencing crinkling with the lids, where the lids are actually warping in the canning wow, process. That sounds like... That's not good. Sounds like uh, aluminum foil. <laughs> well, it, it's not good, <laughs> especially if you want those things to be shelf-stable. The sealing compounds on the, ring, on the lids... Um, are not as robust, and so people are losing their seals much more easily. Okay. Also, on all the ones that I looked on, um, it 
I couldn't find anything that said whether things were BPA-free or if they were made from food-grade materials. Now, we assume that in something that's manufactured in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't just make that assumption right. if it's made other places with fewer controls. And so you really need to look. I would highly recommend you read the reviews. Amazingly enough, of all the different products I look for on Amazon, and I clicked and read the reviews, a vast majority of them somehow had managed to get reviews from a different product in their review section. So I don't know if that's like, wow. a, I don't want to call anybody out when I don't know the circumstance. Maybe it's an Amazon mistake. Maybe it's a really tricky way of getting a lot of five-star reviews that you don't actually have because it's for a different product. I don't know, but please make sure you actually read the reviews before you check it and don't buy anything that's not reviewing the actual lids so you know what's happening. And one thing we do is we go and read the negative reviews, not yeah. just, you know, how many stars and how many people, yes. but what are some of the negative reviews? And Because if there's enough of them and there's enough consistency and it's not yeah. just people, there's always people that are complaining and whining, don't yeah. like something, but you can often get an idea if there's a legitimate, you know, concern there by yeah. reading through those you negative reviews. You kind of have your heads up. So now all that to say, if you can find one that looks good, and there were a few out there that I thought, oh, you know, it was BPA free. It did look good. It did have good reviews. There were a few of them there. And I thought I'd take a chance on that. Just be aware that those lids often have a higher chance of failure so I wouldn't be putting really expensive food in that jar. I wouldn't be filling a quart-sized jar with beef and canning it with one of those lids when I might lose multiple of the jars. Yeah. That can be a real bummer. So right. just be aware that you're going to have a higher chance right. of failure. Yep. And just so that you know, if um, you're looking, because they're working in millimeters, they're working mm, the, the metric, metric system. system over there, a regular mouth jar would be a 70-millimeter and a wide mouth jar would be an 86 millimeter. So if you're seeing different options, you don't know how to interpret them, just know that that 86 is the wide and the 70 millimeter is the regular. Good, that's yeah. good information yeah. to have. Yeah, good to have on Great. hand. Okay, so those are those are some of the options that are out there on either finding your own or using you know these other alternatives that, mm -hmm. are, that are out there and what to watch for. But you've got some great tips on what to do if you just can't find what you need, but you still, uh, can find some used or have some used or whatever if you're already canning or you know somebody that is. So let's talk about reusing lids. In my understanding, that's a generally a no, 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 yeah. no, don't no, do no. that. <laughs> but I think you've got some tips that can help people out. We're getting in a tough situation right? and you need to be creative. So yeah. what, what can people do? Well, you know, um, a good <clears throat> friend of mine who is a master preserver, she's also uh, helps me inside our uh, master class, mm -hmm. our Preserving the uh, Abundant Pantry Canning Master Class. And she and I were putting our heads together over this one because there are a lot of people who just literally cannot find jars or, or lids, I mean, and cannot get them. Mm -hmm. And so we were discussing the practicalities and the safety issues with reusing lids. And, you know, here's the thing about reusing lids. Ball tells you not to reuse them. Of course. Okay. <laughs> Ball also profits every time you buy new lids. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what happens, what is the safety or the danger if you reuse a lid? Well, the danger is that your lid may not seal. Right. Okay. Seal correctly. It's not going to seal. You correctly. don't know it. 
And well, here's the thing. If it doesn't seal correctly, then you do know it no, because you yeah. don't have a seal. Right. And so the real issue with this here is that you may lose seals on things. It's kind of like we were talking about those Chinese made ones. You may not want to put your high dollar items inside that jar. Just knowing that you may have a higher chance of a seal failure if you're reusing your lids. Okay, in order to reuse a lid, it would have to be completely dent, nick, uh, you know, non-bent, um, completely free of any sort of, you know, twisting of the so metal. It needs to be in any good damage, shape. Right. right. Yeah, it needs to be in very good shape, which and, is easy to damage them when you're taking them off. Yeah, when you're removing them from a jar. I have heard that there's a special tool out there now. I haven't seen it yet that's just for removing lids from the jars without damaging them just so that you can reuse them. That would be worth looking that one up yeah, and checking out. Um, so you need to have a completely good shape uh, lid still. The other thing that you need to do is inspect the sealing compound on the bottom side of that lid and make sure that it is all still there. You need a complete ring of sealing compound still on that lid. If some of it has come off, um, then you're not going to want to use that one. You're going to want to toss that one. Okay. The other thing is that, you know, it's probably best to keep this to water bath canning and just reusing it for water bath canning. The reason for that is that the higher temperature of the pressure canning is going to break down your sealing compound a lot faster. So if you've water bath canned something, you can save the lid from it when you open that item and then use that lid again for water bath canning again. That should be very safe as long as you get a good seal. Could you use a water bath canning lid if you're in a jam that you've used for water bath canning and you need something for mm-hmm. pressure canning? Mm-hmm. Could you take that water bath lid mm-hmm. and then use that for the pressure canning? That sounds like that would be an, under what you're describing. Yeah. That you know that would be a good solution. Absolutely, you could definitely <laughs> do that. Just again, realize that you may have a higher percentage of failure with those lids. Mm-hmm. So um, the the big key here, guys, is don't ever store your jars with the rings on. That way you're very sure if you get a false seal or you get anything funny going, you always know when you have a lid failure. There's no question about it. Um, If you're not sure what I'm talking about, we did a video, I think, last year on the top five canning mistakes you shouldn't make. You really need to check that out. We'll get you a description yeah, for that down below. That would below, be really important. Or in the show notes. Good. Um, okay. you know, I had one thought on that too. Just in addition to if you are going to do that and you're doing a lot of jars and because there is an increased risk of failure, mm-hmm. just be a little more diligent in going through your stocks and yep. checking things. Because if you can catch them, I would assume if you're catching them quickly, mm-hmm. you could still use them. You have 24 hours after the canning process to catch a seal failure and get that item into the refrigerator, and then you have to use it like a fresh item so it's no longer preserved. But that can absolutely work, and of course you can can it again. You have to go through the entire process again, but you can do that if you get a seal failure there. Very cool. Good. All right, so another solution Mm -hmm. is a discussion about these one-part lids. Yes, one-part lids, one-piece lids. You can call them either things. Um, You know, in some parts of the world, 
those are the only lid options that they have. So they're okay. actually accustomed to using them. Now, we've been told in the United States that maybe they're not safe. They're recommended against by the USDA. But but wait, but yet there's a lot of the world that is using mm-hmm. them just fine. Yes. Now, okay. I dove into <clears throat> why it is that the USDA is not recommending them. And you guys might be surprised. I actually have a quote for you here. From So Easy to Preserve, whose authors uh, help write the USDA Complete Guide. So this is like as into the USDA as we're going to get a quote from and an explanation from. And they say, as long as the proper jar type, size, and shape is used with properly researched canning procedures, the lid choice itself, for example, two-piece metal, plastic, or one-piece metal lids, does not affect the microbiological safety of the canning process. The issues become ease of use, success in sealing, and maintenance of vacuum and food quality during storage. Wow. Okay, so they're so, straight out telling you this is not a safety so issue. It's not a safety issue at all, even issue. though we've been told that or yes. made to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And this, again, um, is one of those things where... They just don't have the money to go back and test an entire different set of lids. And so by default, they say that they are not safe. But even here, they're saying it's not a safety issue. It's a handling issue, which means they're a little bit harder to use and you may have more jar failures. More jar failures could mean, you know, 1%. It could be actually a very, very small number. Hmm. And so it's really good to know because... One-piece lids are very available right now. And the other thing about one-piece lids is that they are often sold as reusable lids. Really? Not (laughs) single-use lids. You know, after doing this research, I honestly think that I'm going to start looking at using one-piece lids more regularly in my normal canning, not even as an emergency backup, because I love the idea of reusable lids. Sure, it's a huge money saver. If you are canning 500, 1,000 Mm -hmm. or more jars a year, that's huge if you can either reuse them or even better, have a lid that's made for that. Yeah. And reusable, and I I, I don't think it's a funding issue. I think it's a... They don't want us to go that route. <laughs> I know that could be too. Myself. There's a lot of them available pretty cheaply. The one thing that you do need to you know on using reusable lids is I'm sorry, the one piece lids is that you cannot over tighten them. You can get away with a lot more over tightening on the two piece lids because it still allows a little bit of venting from the lid. You will ruin your lids and possibly break your jars if you over tighten these. So you want to make sure you just tighten them down until the sealing compound is in contact with the rim of the jar. That leaves them loose enough to allow venting until that seal makes a solid contact in during the canning process. I see a video coming for next year's canning videos yeah. because people are <laughs> going to want to remember that and have something yeah. to refer to. So make sure you're at least reading the directions or finding mm-hmm. out if, if you're going to take advantage of those. Yeah. Um, but that sounds like a fantastic resource right yeah. now if those are widely available. Absolutely. <clears throat> cool. Good. So moving on to jars, 
And jars are another one mm-hmm. that people are having a hard time getting. We get people asking us that all the time. Yeah. And some of the, the previous options, I think, apply. Okay. But let yep. us know about other jar options. Okay. So this is another one where we're going to kind of go outside of the box a little bit. Cool. Because we're told regularly not to use other jars besides home canning mason type jars. So what are other jars that would work for canning that they're telling us not to use? Just right. give us a few descriptions. Um, like what is it that people use that they don't want us using? Right. Grocery store spaghetti sauce jars is really uh, like cool. okay. glass jars from the grocery store. And what is noted safety wise is that they won't be able to handle the pressure of home canning. Because the glass isn't designed that's whatever what it is, say. supposedly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I had a great conversation one time <laughs> with a, uh Amish lady. Actually, she was an ex-Amish lady who was telling me that her dad was a grocer and laughed at that notion because how much more heavy-duty the store-bought jars actually <laughs> are because they have to be banged around all the time. Mm-hmm. They have to be shipped. They have to be everything with minimal packaging. And so he laughed at that. But let's go a little bit more scientific than that. But sorry for my ignorance here. How are those foods canned? Are those not heat canned? They're they're... canned under a much more controlled process Mm -hmm. so they can get away with things in a factory setting that we can't in a home setting. Mm. So there is some differences in the canning process. But they're still exposed to heat and and actually quite a process. Right. So here's the thing. Again, what's going to happen... If you get a jar from your spaghetti sauce that you bought at the grocery store, you've got that sitting on your shelf, as long as your lids actually fit on the jars, so we're talking, you know, your good canning lids, as long as they're screwed down, they actually fit, what's going to go wrong with that? Well, if it's not able to handle the heat, it's going to break in the canning process, probably in your canner. Yeah. That's kind of it. That's kind of it. That's kind of it. And so you're going to know it if something goes wrong. Right, As long as the lid fights, so your lid needs to screw on properly. You're not having to force it on or around with it. Obviously, the shape needs to be, the size needs to be there. Exactly. But if those all come together and you can it and and you get a seal and your jar doesn't break, then... Then you've got a jar that's sealed. Then what's the problem? Yeah, this is, again, going back to that comment. There are no microbiological things happening here. This is not changing anything about the canning process. This is not a problem for canning. The things you do need to make sure you watch for, though, one, obviously anything that's nicked and chipped, you have to do that for your regular canning jars, too. Especially if you're finding used ones, which we all do. Exactly. But you have to make sure that the sizes correlate to our canning sizes so that you know that you are canning for the correct amount of time, right? Our canning recommendations on time are based on the jar size. If you get an in-between jar size, in-between pint and quart, you always go to the higher size time requirements in the safety charts, right? So you have to make sure you've got the size worked out. You have to make sure there's no chips and you have to make sure your lid fits. And if all of those things are true and the jar survives the canning process, which I've got to say, I've done this multiple times. I've never had a jar break. So chances are it's going to survive the canning process. Then you're good to go. You're not endangering your family with botulism or anything else just by using a store-bought spaghetti jar as long as you get a good seal and you do the processing correctly using the correct method for the correct amount of time. This is really powerful. 
It is. I mean, these are really powerful options yeah. as far as canning goes. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the point of canning besides preserving food and being prepared and healthy food is cost. Yeah. And we're very cost aware in these things and, and wanting to get the cost of our good quality food down. And th this is a big deal. It is a big <clears throat> deal. And, you know, we have this issue where, uh, you know, the, the safety that comes out, we're told all these things that are supposed to be about safety, but sometimes it's just because they haven't tested it or maybe they feel like it's ease of handling and, you know, honestly, I would like to be able to make those decisions myself if it's just mm -hmm. an ease of handling or the chance that I might have a few more jar failures or seal failures. I would like to be told that and I would like to be able to right. make that decision those... as a responsible consumer and preserver myself. They don't really present it in that way. So it takes a little bit of work to sort it out. But I think this is really important and we need to start doing this in the preserving community and kind of go, you know, Ball, let's let go of our monopoly here. <laughs> and let's be real about the information and talk about safety versus how do you get us to keep buying your jars and your lids. Right. Well, so. there's no incentive there. Right. You know, and, um, so. Okay. I'll get off my soapbox. Right. No, okay. but that's, it's good. This is great. This is very, very good information. Yeah. And, um. But we do need to move on. So let's talk about canners for a moment. I know there have been times where canners were very hard or nearly impossible to get. What's going on now and what uh, what, what thoughts do you have? Right now, water bath canners are still relatively yeah, easy are... to get. And the great thing about them is you don't even need a water bath canner. You can use a stock pot with a lid as long as you have some way to keep your jars from being in direct contact with the bottom. Mm -hmm. And a kitchen towel works for that. A rack works even better. Um, but, you know, you don't actually really need a water bath canner. So that's kind of an easy get around. They're still available if you want one anyways. Right. The pressure canners are really the issue. Here. Right. And um, let me say right up front what I always say. No, you cannot use your Instapot. <laughs> that is not a safe option. And I know I'm giving you a lot of things here in this uh, pantry chat where we're talking about things that are outside of the recommended safety box. But we're we're keeping them still safe, just maybe outside of the actual official recommendation. Well, you're, you're... The Instapot, using an Instapot or another electric pressure cooker is not inside a safe uh, quantity. That is not safe. And the reason for it is because you cannot actually gauge how much pressure you are actually canning at at mm -hmm. any time. All you've got in some of them is a little digital readout that may be off by five pounds of pressure. Who knows? We have no idea. And so I would never consider pressure canning in anything that wasn't either, one, using an actual pressure weight, or two, has a gauge that is testable and has been tested within the year of using the canner. Hence a pressure canner. You need Hence to a use canner. a pressure canner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Are they out there? Are they still cost effective? There are some out there still. Yeah. And they are coming back out. In fact, uh, let's see, I think it was Pleasant Hill Grains right now is taking pre-orders for all American canners and some of the sizes they were expecting to have by November. Doesn't help us for next week necessarily, right. but it is coming up on the sooner side. Like I said, Layman's is getting some in, in stock. I'll put links to all of these things in yeah, the description. And, you know, there are multiple that are actually still out there. There are some of the Presto models. 
that are still available that you can actually just go buy, whether it's on Amazon, on Layman's has a few of those, and most likely in your local Walmart or different big box stores. And it looks like Pleasant Hill Grains mm-hmm. are, taking are taking pre-orders. Yeah. 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 So, you know, get, if you don't have these things, just get on the pre-order list now. <laughs> Can I say that? The same thing with lids. Just go ahead and get on the pre-order list because... These, you know, this is probably not going away. Start thinking about next year. Yeah. Yeah. Your your money invested here versus in the bank waiting mm-hmm. and waiting until next canning season when you start thinking about it. Um, the things we're dealing with inflation yeah. and money printing and a lot of other issues in the backdrop, durable goods in your home is a great thing to have now. Yeah. And especially when there's resource scarcity. So uh, stay diligent and stay on it. And even if you can't solve your problem immediately mm-hmm. with some of these things, you're going to be able to still take advantage of these opportunities as they come along and be better prepared um, down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. so real quick. Yeah, real quick. But real quick. there are other ways to preserve food besides yeah. canning, right? <laughs> there are. And we've just done a whole series here in the pantry chat of different preservation options that you have and talking about each one of those. One we don't talk about in that, but was probably your best friend if you've got something you want to can today and you don't have supplies, and that's your freezer. Right. You know, those are, that's a great way to just get food preserved, even if it's while you're waiting for your canner to get here or your jars or lids to mm-hmm. get here. So don't forget to use your other preservation options. That's freezing, dehydrating, fermenting is an amazing option. If you have a freeze dryer, that can be a great way to go. Yep. So just keep your mind open about how you're preserving the food. Absolutely. Okay, Good. Well, I think that's pretty much it. We already talked about making sure you get on the wait list and make sure and everything. When these supplies come back in and you start buying them for canning lids, especially the single-use canning lids, make sure you're not buying more than two-year supply of them because that sealing compound does start to break down. If you're storing them in perfect storage conditions, honestly, I don't even really know what those is are. I would assume they'd be a little bit higher humidity, not high humidity, but medium not a lot humidity. Of temperature fluctuation. Then you might get away with longer than that. But um, you know, you don't want to get so many on hand that you just lose them all and they're yeah. not worth it. So start with two years supply, and it's always good to be working out a year ahead of what you need. Right on. Well, hey, guys, we hope this has been informative and helpful and uh, solved a real challenging problem for a lot of us homesteaders and preservers right now. And um, we will look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.